This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav in full effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Dutch. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. <laughs> terrible. Tangents all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think no, not right now. <laughs> Shut Did up, just... colonizer! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find him. You can find him. So check one two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. to another episode, not an issue, that's another podcast, of Wookie Radio. It is your Smugglers 3, all equipped with our own Smugglers Guide, um, Derek, Ken, and myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? All right. Uh, excuse not me. Bad. I just <laughs> a little while ago. and <laughs> So what are you guys, how far into Smugglers Guide are you guys? I've been able to flip through a lot of it. I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and read, read. It's a, yeah, it's a slow read because there's so much information. And I love it. I love it. I, I definitely want to get the others. Yeah. I want the collection now. I'm just saying. But as we talked about last week, this, the Book of Sith may need an upgrade with the new symbol on it since there's a new symbol. Yeah. Which is an awesome looking symbol. I, I'm, I'm still impressed with it. Um, check out the homepage, wikiradio.net. Um, I am in the process of trying to get it caught up. I know I've been saying that for a while, but I had this thing. I was going to do it last week, but there's this stupid thing called Dorian that hit but didn't hit. That's it. That's you at all. So what are you talking about? I, it I, missed you. I had some hurricane damage. 
I lost oh. a tree branch and a bunch of leaves off my front oak tree. I almost, almost filed an insurance report for that. Almost, huh? Almost. <laughs> no, I was kind of hoping since supposedly we're going to close early and then be closed the entire day, I was going to have time to work on it. Something to do. When I actually had some time. Eh, wrong answer. That didn't happen. So, uh, but check out the homepage. Uh, down the right-hand side is our affiliates and our partners, Heroes and Villains, and Found Me. Uh, some great products from those two companies. Click their images. They'll take you right to their page. Use the code SMUGGLERS for 15% off your first purchase. There is a TIE Fighter backpack with my name on it. That pilot backpack it has got my name on it. Did you write it in Sharpie? Not yet. I will once I get it. <laughs> I'm going to go white grease pencil in Arabish. Um, I'll get off one of those pens that you got to shake up really a lot before you use them. Well, no, the grease pencil is it's like the the marker pencil. Yeah. Yeah. It it, ru- it eventually rubs off. So I have yes. to reapply later. Um, also, too, uh, is our web store. Go to it. Uh, t-shirts, hats, uh, hoodies, etc. Wookie Radio merch. Weeby Geeks merch, um, Mighty Marvel Geeks merch. Hopefully to add to it soon, some Keepers of the Fringe and DC Superpowers merch, maybe. If it ever gets going again. Aw, let's have hope. Let's bring super, let's make superpowers, DC Superpowers podcast a podcast again. If only it were that simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, go to the Wookie Radio Facebook page. We have our raffle. It ends on the 16th. We got some great prizes. A Wookiee Radio hat, three comics signed by Joe Carmagna that he lettered that are Star Wars comics. From Rocco Depot, a Halo Legacy book signed by Christy Golden and John Jackson Miller, who are Star Wars authors. Two books donated, just recently donated to this, from John Jackson Miller, both signed. Kenobi and the, uh, the Jedi book that we mentioned. Um, was it the Jedi Legacies? I don't have a picture of it. Duh. I'll tell you right now. It is Lost Tribe of the Sith, the Collected Stories. It's being done. It, and it's signed. Um, uh, from Chronicle Books, a Leia bust and a copy of Smuggler's Guide as well, which is a book we swear by. We love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, also too, a purple kyber crystal direct from Walt Disney World's Disney Hollywood Studios Galaxy's Edge, handpicked by myself. I did not pick the first one that was in the front. I actually dug back a little bit to pick one. So, I mean, yeah, I think if you put it into a holocron, it's only mace, but I, I want to say I don't know if they're all molded the same or whatnot, but I don't like picking the one straight off the front. I like Maybe it goes back to when I used to collect Star Wars cards or even baseball cards or hockey cards. You don't ever grab the ones on the top. You dig down. Well, I, do the the same, I do the same thing with my comics. I don't take the first one on the shelf. I reach behind and... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... I just send my pull list in, so I never actually pull them off the shelf. Yeah, my mine are off the pull list as well. But if I get one off the shelf... Most of mine are off my pull list, but I always have ones to pull off the shelf, too. <laughs> But I'm the same way. If there's one on the shelf, I never get the first one. Right. So, 
people have put their grubby hands all over it. Well, you, that's the one people tend to pick up and, and re, flip through and read too. So, yep. Um. So yeah. Uh, try and think if I'm missing anything. If not, a list of all the prizes are on the the raffle. Enter now, please. Just get it. You you have a shot because it's a random pick. Because with the the app that I'm using, it has a randomizer to pick the winner. So. Please enter now. You still got a chance. Some great prizes. So, um, so yeah. Oh, I want to give a shout out to to a listener. Uh, his name is Josh Famulero. Famulero. And I'm sure he will let me know if I butchered his name. Um, but he he has contacted me um the last few weeks after listening to shows, and the latest was love how you. Bring up Boba Fett's origin on the last podcast, talking about last week. So I don't know if you guys remember that conversation with all the stuff that we have going on in our own lives. I don't remember what I had for lunch this this afternoon. Uh, yeah. I think it was a smoked smoked ham on rye. Maybe not. Sure. Okay. About those spike you got running out there, Mike. What's that? We got to do something about those spike hams. We can't no. do anything with action. No. It's the life of a smuggler. I'm trying to amp up our network a bit more. Um, now, I think we talked about how, you know, Boba Fett, as you go look back now at what was done with the prequels, that Fett's truly not a Mandalorian. Even though he's adopted the Mandalorian ways, just like the clone troopers, they're not true Mandalorians because they were not, because they're all clones of a single Mandalorian. Right. And, and apparently there's a, possibility that Django has been ostracized by the Mandalorians and not even considered Mandalorian anymore. Sure, I could see that. But, yeah. you know, but we do know that the clones are Mandalorian, which means Django must be a Mandalorian. Well, the game's no longer canon, so <laughs> I don't think it ever was, but Republic Commando, you, you hear Mandalorian chants and songs throughout the game. So it was, that's where the theory that the the clones were truly Mandalorian. So, but, I mean, technically, I mean, they're clones, so they're not Mandalorian. It's, how would, it's still one of those, how would that work? That's a good question. Maybe we need to try and get Pablo Hidalgo on here and question. Are the clones Mandalorian? If so, does that make Fett Mandalorian? Depends if on what, not, if you're talking, how does that work? Depends on, I think, if you're talking Mandalorian by blood or Mandalorian by culture. Right. By blood, they would be full-blooded Mandalorian. If Django was Mandalorian, they would be Mandalorian, physically. Yeah. Yeah. But they were raised Mandalorians. So, like I said, it depends on, are you talking... Mandalorian as someone from the Mandalore system, yeah, but there or was raised in the culture of Mandalore. But there were there were some clones though that tried to honor the Mandalorian culture. Yeah. So I don't well, know. This so is, was. Well, I guess it goes back to the other question about <laughs> about Jingo and whether his, his status as a Mandalorian. 
Right. Because remember, as Ken brought up last week, Satine mentioned, no, they, he's not Mandalorian. No, it wasn't Satine. I think it was um, Previsla. Previsla. Yeah. So it was about, about Death Watch, I believe. Yeah, because they're saying, you know, anyone could grab the armor. Right. So especially if they killed whoever had it previously. This is true. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, speaking of Mandalorian. John Favreau uh, talks about bringing canon and legend characters into the Mandalorian. Sure, people will be happy to hear that. Especially all the EUers who are going, eh, we want the EU brought back. Mm. I think that's another one that we were talking about last week, that, um, the possibility, because remember we saw in the Mandalorian trailer, we t- uh, saw the Carbonite Slabs, and we're trying to figure out if any of the actual uh, Clone Wars characters or Rebels characters may actually be in Carbonite. Right. <laughs> true. Uh, we know one that's not, and that's Kanan. Yeah. Um, too soon. He couldn't see his way into it. <laughs> I'm just glad your jokes aren't on fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, Entertainment Weekly posted an article with John Favreau talking about the Mandalorian, and he was quoted in saying, "I don't want to talk about anything that may be fun for people to discover. We Ooh. do have conversations. Part of what's fun to see if we can merge the worlds of the original trilogy, the prequels, the sequels, the Clone Wars." And what's been considered canon up to this point. And what's been considered part of Legends. I think the show offers an opportunity to bring those elements, no matter what your flavor of Star Wars ice cream you like. Ooh. (laughs) Um, I like Rocky Mustafar. Um, Or or what what, was the one that they keep showing with... uh, the Ben and Jerry's with the car with Boba Fett and Han Solo something carbonite oh I don't know anyway um, but there will be something to enjoy but you're asking the right questions so I guess the question was you know the possibility of incorporating characters from legend and canon so he pulled a Filoni. <laughs> oh, almost like he's been working with the guy. Yeah, he's been trained well. And I will say, it's one thing to see Filoni on YouTube dodging questions. It's something completely different to see it live. <laughs> and it's mesmerizing how he does it. It really is. He's had many years to perfect the art. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Filoni also comes out... Um, And uh, he shared with Entertainment Weekly, having a character you wrote walk up and talk to you in full costume on set that you imagine, that was a wonderful thing. So, again, we're talking Clone Wars. We're talking Rebels. Who could this be? Uh, Taken at face value, uh, there are between this and Favreau's comments. um, Could you only, well, with Filoni, could you only imagine seeing a character that you've been drawing show up in in front of you? (laughs) 
Well, he's already had that at least once because the Galaxy's Edge, we got Hondo. True. And I will tell you that Hondo's great. If you watch the opening ceremonies for Walt Disney World, it yeah, was cool. That. It was cool seeing him live. And I hope they use him for like special events. Mm. So say we do the um, Wookiee Radio party at Galaxy's Edge and we're able to, to buy out the cantina. I would love to have the option for uh, for a Hondo, for Hondo to show up in the cantina. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. Hondo was one of those characters I really didn't care for in in Clone Wars. I'm like, okay. But seeing him in Rebels... And then seeing I mean, him, and then seeing him with a live look, oh, he has become a favorite. Mm-hmm. I want action figures. I want his Black it'll, Series figure. It'll probably happen now. I think he had a. I think he had a action figure prior to. I'm not sure. I'll have to check uh, Rebels. Uh, Rebel Scum. Their their photo things to see if there was a Honda. Um, now. Filoni's been directing episodes of the series for some time, uh, even though it was previously confirmed he was also been writing on the project. Um, we're talking uh, Clone Wars, I believe, and Rebels. Um, but he hasn't written anything for Mandalorian and was speaking about a character from stuff he has done. So it is possible character from Rebels or Clone Wars is sh- going to show up. Um, <laughs> and with this, there is a r- wide variety of characters that could. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, what about the other bounty hunters? Uh, what? Oh, uh, who's the one that had the trash can lid? Or, uh, not Cad Bane. Um, it's Cad. You know, no, it is Cad Bane. Cad Bane was the um, the big one. No, you Cad-, Cad Bane was the uh, blue. It was right with the hat. Oh no, the, I think the other one you're thinking of is um, I don't I remember. My head. It's not Cad Bane. It's um, I like Cad Bane. He was he's cool. Yeah. Well, he's the one that's really uh, um, really recognizable. Uh, I actually, another one that I, a theory I heard about that carbonite slab would have been uh, Morello Evolve. Ooh, yeah. You never actually see a character out there. You just see him in a slab somewhere. <laughs> right. Um, of course, they don't help me with this list. List of Clone Wars cast members, bounty hunters, crime lords. Uh, there was Cad Bane. Imbo. Yes, that's, that was the one. I would love to see Imbo show up. Yeah. Really would. I don't think it'd be Aura Singh because we see her in the, in the prequels and she's made yeah. appearances in the parks. So um trying to think who else on this from Clone Wars, uh, looking at bounty hunters, crime lords, etc. Lats Razi, maybe? Or maybe Chams Sindula? Possibly. Um I was thinking what's um oh the hut that was um Capote. Um Zero the Hut. Zero, yeah. Was that was uncle? <laughs> yeah. I bet you see live action. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, what about Bo-Katan? Yeah. That's a possibility. Hey, it, it off actually there live? Oh, I, th- I thought she she lived at the end of, uh, during Rebels. I believe so. Because she no, becomes just, the head of the Mandalorians. Yeah. I'm saying to her to actually play the character physically on screen. Yeah, and Katie have Katie Sackhoff do it. Yeah. That would be great. Uh, what about Almec, the politician? That's a possibility, too. Is he, he's the one who, uh, who sent, uh, Mandal- two Mandalorians to go rescue him from, from Sidious. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the list of the rest of the characters and I, I just gotta stop. <laughs> Cause I could be, guess- I could just keep guessing. It could be anyone. It could be. It could be Pre Vizsla who I, would have. He actually, did he? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I believe he did. Um, Oh, come on. 
Where are you? Don't tell me you don't have a unless it's under Vizsla. But I would like to see some <clears throat> originals, original series characters to come back. I don't think they said. I don't remember if he dies or not. Let's go to Wikipedia and check. I agree with you. I would love to see some original characters as well. I'm just happy to see some of the original trilogy aliens, at least in the trailers and stuff. Yes. Like we keep saying, that's something that's been missing from the uh, sequel trilogy so far. Right. Yeah. There's nobody tells us this is Star Wars other than the main cast. He does does die um, during Death Watch. That's what I thought. He was beheaded by uh, by Maul. Mm. But Bo-Katan would be a great... I think that seems to be one of the most favorite options. If not, Sabine's another option as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I can't wait. A <laughs> couple more months. That's the hard part of this. couple more months. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they're teasing, but they're not helping. Uh, yeah. Now, the Mandalorian found inspiration from a famous scene in the original Star Wars trilogy. And this one, yeah, when I was reading through this earlier, it's like, well, that was kind of obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Filoni, again, telling Entertainment Weekly, I've seen a lot of Star Wars. Well, no, duh, Dave. I love you, but man, that's one of those Captain Obvious comments. <laughs> You've seen stuff we haven't seen. <laughs> I'm quite sure that we've never seen yet. This is true too. So, um, and what's most exciting to me is I'm very confident we did some things, and the fans will see things that have never been seen before. To be to be fair, before the Phantom Menace, I have never seen a racist frogman either. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wish I could go back to a time where I hadn't. Mm. He's talking about boss nasses. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Mandalorian doesn't sound like that. It will fall into the Sarlacc pit of, say, a 50s diner in space. Um, I have a problem with that. No, I don't either. Um, so the Mandalorian's clearest inspiration was the first act of A New Hope, which played like a Western in space. The exotic creatures, the smugglers, the soldiers, the bounty hunters, leading rough lives in an overlooked outlaw territory. Conversely, the show is perhaps furthest from the sequel prequels in a Corsica in the in the poshness of the Jedi Council meetings on Corsican. Expect the Mandalorian to travel from system to system to system in a very boots on the ground tale without any major legacy characters, at least not in the first season. Cool. So basically saying the Cantina, Moss Eisley scene was what's inspired the Mandalorian. And that's what I want to hear. With the whole you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. So, uh, according to Favreau, he also says, "I've also I've always been curious what the other people in the cantina are up to. Uh, we're digging really deep in the toy chest and pulling out action figures that people always were always curious about, and not quite in the center frame, but have a lot of potential." Snaggletooth. <laughs> yeah. How about the the one? Uh, well, how about the guy who, who had the the black uh, X-wing pilot outfit that directs Obi Wan to talk to Chewbacca behind him? Oh yeah, yeah. Or the guy in the other suit that had the uh, skull face inside the, the space helmet. 
Oh, yeah. That would be cool, too. So, But uh, as it was announced at D23, I almost said celebration. Superfan Ming-Na Wen was hesitant to join the Mandalorian. Hmm. Uh, she she admits she was very he- uh, a bit hesitant on taking the part. Uh, she she's quoted in saying, "Ever since I was a little girl, when I saw Star Wars, it changed my life. I can't even imagine the impact it must continue to have in all future generations since then." And of course, she said this at the Fan X Salt Lake Comic Con over the weekend. Um, but I used to like pray to God, Buddha, and the Force. I'm not kidding. And to this day, when I get on a plane, I still pray to God, Buddha, and the Force. Mm-hmm. We land safely. Now, she was just recently inducted as a Disney legend, along with Favreau, um, at the D23 Expo. Um, and when asked about the opportunity to join the franchise, she said, So when this role came around, I was a bit hesitant, because I've been playing... I've been praying my entire life to be in Star Wars films, um, um, and I was nervous. But thank goodness I said yes. I will have been a real idiot not to have. It's a fantastic character. I can't talk about her, but I can't wait for you to see to see it. It's coming out in November, and I can't wait to see the whole series. Give away something. She's playing a woman. Yeah. She said her. Now there's only there's only one downside to this that I can see and it's that um, she would be perfect to play Dr. Aphra uh-huh. if she's not playing Dr. Aphra she will never play Dr. Aphra so that would be a little disappointing but yeah but it will still be cool to have her in the series yeah I, I'm. She looks young enough. She could play a late thirties, early forties Doctor Afra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which would be about right, even when you look at the books with her, um, her history with Han Solo and with Sana. Right. So, which, if that's the case, do we get uh, her Wookie as well? Ooh. <laughs> could- do we get Triple Zero and BT One? That would be very cool. Yeah. That might be hoping for too much, but... I know. I know. Maybe. The Wookiee costume would not be that hard to do. They could take one of the ones from um, Revenge of the Sith and modify it. Depending on how many of those they actually kept and how many of them they actually scrapped out. <laughs> uh, That's true, too. Um, now, she continues, Every role that comes along, there's always a challenge to it. But I wanted to say... But I would have to say Mandalorian... Um, asking her, to, uh, this is when she was asked her most challenging role. Uh, she says Mandalorian because having to, having had this dream of wanting to be in Star Wars, in the Star Wars world, and then it finally, and then finally getting the part, I wanted her to be, yeah, I'm playing a woman. I gave that away. I can't believe I gave that away as she's laughing. I'm going to be arrested and put in some Disney dungeon. They're going to take my legends title. So I think that one, I put so much thought and process into creating her. Everything's the way her hair would be. So that was really important to me, uh, an important one for me. I hope you guys like her. So that's, uh, let's let the speculation begin. She's Afra. And I think she's going to be a brand new character. I I think think so. At least for a while, we're not going to see anybody we actually know. Yeah. 
But that's the thing. This is going on Disney Plus. Think about the millions of people getting Disney Plus. How many of them are really going to know Afra? Yeah, but I believe also the the Disney Plus programs, Marvel, DC, or not DC, Marvel, Disney, Pixar, uh, <laughs> and um and Star Wars, they're all aiming at the fans of those franchises. They're not going. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're putting these, not putting these on broadcast television or in the theaters. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they realize the people that get this are choosing to get Disney Plus to watch this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're already Star Wars fans. They're already Disney fans. They're already Pixar fans. They're already Marvel fans. Yeah, right. but I still think you're. They're also aiming at drawing new people in too. Yeah. Because they're saying this is a great stepping off point to get to know Star Wars. Without know without knowing the movies, so for a new fan, yeah, they, bringing Afra in would be great because yeah. then she they, could be the Han Solo of this this part of the franchise. That's possible, but like I said, I still think they they know that the majority of people at the very beginning are going to be Star Wars fans already. They're already going to know who like Afra and some of these other ones are. Right, I agree. Yeah, uh... you are going to pick up new fans, oh, yeah. but that's not going to be day one. Right. Or you, you could end up with day one, but it's people that are already open to the idea of meeting new characters. Right. Okay. Because people turning it on chose to watch Star Wars. It wasn't just, oh, flipping through the channels. Oh, wait, what's this show? <laughs> okay. See, that's why we have this show. Mm-hmm. So but that also that also means they could do Dr. Afra because the fans would already know her. Exactly. So they could bring her in because... Yeah, but I still think if they did it, they wouldn't bring her in until later, second half of the season. Well, there's only eight episodes, so... Right. Um, it would be towards the end of this season or it would be on the second season. I thought there mm-hmm. was ten episodes. No, there's mm-hmm. eight episodes and they've already been renewed for a second season. I think originally they were saying ten, but now it's eight. Well, that stinks. So I was prepared yeah. for ten. Well, now you have to prepare for eight. No. No. Well, you were prepared for ten. Now you settle for eight. No. No. I refuse. I pray refuse. they don't all just heal again. Well, there ain't much you can do about it. Unless you go out in your backyard and film your own two episodes. Hey. Don't put it past him. <laughs> you really want me to? Or, you know, there'll be ten episodes, but two of them will be in season two. Oh, so we're going with yeah. uh, the Orville concept here. Yeah, exactly. Maybe well, that's Titan, what happened. The Titans, well, they shortened by like two episodes, and the, um, they put it into the first episode of this season. Did they? Yeah. It still worked better as a premiere, though, so it's all good. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to f- get an exact thing. I saw this. it on a little bit ago, but I, me- I don't remember what it was. It wasn't in a headline. It was actually in the body of the story. Let me see if I can find the story. It's actually in – I think it's in that – that Favreau story. IMD, IMDB is saying eight episodes. Yeah. So that would be the score. Doggone it. I thought there was going to be ten. Yeah, it says right there, the first Favreau story we had about bringing canon and Legends characters, it says in there about there's only, it premieres November 12th on Disney Plus weekly, and then it will take place three years, about three years after Return of Jedi and eight episodes total. But it has been greenlit for a second season already, so. Well, apparently, well, this is, this is just... IMDB saying what they only know of. They got like Gina Carano for one episode. Ming Na Wen, one episode. Carl Weathers for one episode. But yet, I thought they were in more than one episode. 
a lot of IMDb, they won't they'll put it down that they're in the show, but they won't tell them any actual details. Right. Well, well they've got uh, the top and find it. Top three: Pedro Pascal, eight episodes; Brandon Wayne, five episodes; Emily Swallow, three episodes. So. Father, two episodes. Uh, Bernard Bullen. Jamal Antar, two episodes. Tate well, Fletcher, two episodes. That could just be what's only been confirmed so far. Yeah, yeah. I've listed it. Yeah, so anyway, because I'm, I'm not even seeing your friend list. Well, I don't think they have stunts listed. No, not yet. No. They don't. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. That's Filoni's directing two episodes. Oh, I can't wait. Bryce Dallas Howard's directing an episode. Yeah, I saw that. Rick Famuia is doing yeah. it too. That's cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. Now, Return of the Jedi, apparently there was almost a scene of Obi-Wan and Yoda fighting the Emperor as force ghosts. <laughs> I am so glad that did not yeah, happen. That's a little crazy. Uh, according to Phil Zostak, Zostak, sure. Uh, he was a he's a creative art manager for Lucasfilm. Uh, he has recently shared some pages on. Um, of a rough draft from the third from Return of the Jedi, and the old pages revealed that Obi Wan and Yoda almost did more than show up at the celebration of Endor. According to his Twitter post, um, Obi Wan and Yoda returned from the Netherworld to aid Luke Skywalker in his battle with the Emperor. The Jedi, including Luke's father Anakin, are later seen resurrected. At the Ewok celebration, or as he says, the Ewak celebration. Yeah. And then there's a picture of the script. Can you imagine that? I've heard I've heard um, rumors of this. This is the first place I've seen it actually. Um, in the, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the the script he he shows too, or the parts of the script he shows too, um, it's talking about Ben and Luke. With Yoda and Anakin at the celebration, yeah, not not the not at the battle or not on the. Well, no, I knew the, I knew in an earlier draft that they actually had them earlier in the script, right? Actually helping them out, but they had changed it. So I guess the first place I've seen it actually confirmed. Okay, I I don't. I'm glad it's. This is almost one of those. I I kind of want to see. Marvel do like Dark Horse did with the original Star Wars concept or the original drafts uh, and do the Star Wars comic. I almost want to see him do that with like maybe the draft or or a couple drafts before the final draft of Empire in return. Mm. Just to yeah. just to see what we could have had just for that nostalgia, because I think that would be so awesome to see. Because to then see this and then see this whole conversation take place uh, sounds intriguing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that that, that, see, that seems I mean, again. I would love to see it done. I really would. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I got. I, I had a hard time getting through that Dark Horse comic of the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was still a fun read. Slow read. Hard read. 
Oh, it was a fun read. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say fun. <laughs> well, Mike Mayhew did some great art on it, though. Sure. So, well, I'll tell you what would be hard, and it's not a hard read, it's a hard build. Can we say the Ultimate Collector Series in Lego Imperial Star Destroyer? Oh, oh yeah. Amazing. Second longest set ever. Uh, what, did, what's the Death Star, the biggest one? Um, This article, I don't think, tells us. I don't think it does either. But all of those things, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's going to have the same problems that the uh, the old Imperial Star Destroyer had, where it would sag under its own weight. <laughs> Looks like yeah, it's got a little uh, bigger base on it. Yeah, uh, measuring about 110 centimeters from stern to bow. One of you guys want to convert that to inches? It's big. Yeah, um, it will come with 4,784 pieces in tow. It is. 43 inches long. Holy crap. Uh, with 4,784 pieces, it makes it the third largest Lego set to date. It's the second longest ever. Wow. The Star Destroyer design, as fans will recognize, is based on the build from the very beginning of Star Wars A New Hope. Uh, also, a little nod is the attachable, buildable scale version of the Tanta IV. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is awesome, too. Yeah. Look how few pieces are in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one, it's got one, two, three, four. <laughs> I'm just looking at the bottom. Uh, uh, as for the ship itself, enthusiasts can expect swiveling guns, a tilting radar dish, huge engine exhausts, and intricate surface detailing, or an added touch of authenticity. Uh, its reselling price, its retailing price, six hundred ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. About what I expected. Uh, it does come across as a little disappointing with the lack of interiors, um, as per the the twenty seventeen Millennium Falcon. There's also only two minifigures included: an Imperial officer and a crew member, which will. Which will is bound to be disappointing for collectors expecting at least five for such a massive set. Yeah, but you got to think that where are you going to put them on the set? They're way out of scale for the for this size ship. Yeah, yeah. They're just there to go with the sign, which I do like the crew member. Now, looking at like the one picture with the exhaust ports, this is where I'll have to check with um, with Eric from Mighty Marvel Geeks to find out where it is or who sells them. I would get those lighted bricks to put in the exhaust ports. Yeah, LED kits to put inside of it. Yeah. This thing looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It really does. Just some of these pieces alone. So I'm not seeing creases on these top triangle pieces. And there's no way that is a a 44-inch or 43-inch piece of base plate sitting there. 
No, but you can't see the seams. It's weird. Okay, there's a seam there. Found one. There's got to be one or two others. Oh, God, it's a gorgeous set. Okay, there it is. One, one, two, three, four. Piece across. Five, six. Did you do a really good job of hiding them? Yeah. Yeah, I think in the one, in a couple of the shots, they might have actually photoshopped them out. But the one where you see it standing on its base plate or on its stand, you can could, you could see the plate. You can see the separations a lot more. Yeah. Man, this, just to do the, the bridge itself is gorgeous. The details. It's it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Oh, to have the money for this. How long did we build this thing? <laughs> it took me a month. It took me seven hours over a month to build my falcon that i have here and that's one that's probably the most complicated lego set i've ever built and that's including helping zoe with some of her stuff or actually building some of her stuff for her when she yeah. was younger that's been the most complicated piece that i've had but um the set includes the imperial officer and imperial crew member the Devastator Imperial Star Destroyer model features swiveling guns, a radar tilting radar dish, huge engine exhaust, and intricate surface detailing. Also includes an attachable, buildable scale model of the Tantive Five, uh, with a display stand with a informational fact plaque for ultimate display piece. Also comes with two blaster pistol weapons for the figs. Uh, comes in at four thousand seven hundred eighty-four pieces. Um, the perfect Lego Star Wars collectible for fans of the Star Wars saga. Yeah. Stands, measures over 17 inches high, 43 inches long, and 26 inches wide, and over 14 inches high without the stand. And this has left Derek totally speechless. Yeah. I think you've muted yourself. Ah. <laughs> That's why you're speechless. <laughs> I wish I could get this. I wish. Yeah. See, see you had to mute yourself because you were swearing because you couldn't get it. Pretty much. <laughs> Watching the video that's on the page with us, this thing is just great. Oh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, this is Derek on his side with the mute switch on. <laughs> is that about accurate? Sure, and then, you know, add in some, uh, <laughs> never mind. Exclusive deleted. <laughs> I was going to get dirty, but. Add some cows that fell in the mud. What? Huh, what? They're showing... You said dirty. Oh. <laughs> They're showing the book that's the guide on how to build this thing. It's like a, um, what you call it? It's like a picture book that you'd have sitting on your table, like a coffee table book is what this <laughs> thing looks like. <laughs> it is a college textbook. With no yeah. words. <laughs> Can you buy just the book? <laughs> I want just the book, please. Give me a little bit of time on eBay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how about this one? Uh, finally, we get to know how much damage Han Solo really did to the Millennium Falcon during the Kessel Run. Um, apparently, this was a question fans didn't know that they had asked before a video from StarWars.com talked about it. Actually, it was on a recent episode of the Star Wars show uh, with one of its interludes, which chronicles step-by-step step how much damage was caused to the Falcon during the Kessel Run. At the end of the video, if y'all haven't read the story, how much do you think was done? If you read the story, then it takes the fun out of it. A lot. Derek? Well, what, what are they... What are they qualifying it as, a money value or a... 
Republic credits. Uh, that makes it a lot harder because you don't know like what a credit actually equates to. You know what I mean? Uh, if you go based on Galaxy's Edge, one dollar is a hundred credits. Really? Yeah. Or no, one dollar is one credit because like when one when I bought the Kyber crystals, I was told they were fifteen credits each, mm. or 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 uh, or there was something else. I go, oh, these are one point nine nine credits each. Mm. So so one dollar, one credit. Okay, that's how we'll look at it. Well, according to the Star Wars show, eighty seven thousand five hundred public credits. Wow. Yep. And who paid for that? Yeah. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, they were saying um, Jonathan Kasdan previously shared on a Twitter post. Will there ever be a sequel? Because it really seems you guys were setting up one. To be honest, I think the challenge has more to do with the foreign box office than the U.S., according to Kasdan. Personally, I think there are great Star Wars movies to be made that don't need to cost quite that much. Hopefully that will be the trend in years to come, and maybe, just maybe, that trend will allow us one way or another to tell more stories with Alden, Jonas, Amelia, and Donald. Um, or maybe it could be a Disney Plus series. That would be good, too. Mm-hmm. Now, given... I mean, they're already talking about potentially doing a mall series, which could give us more of uh, his crime syndicate. All right. Which could give us more Amelia Clark. Mm. Uh, Now, given how tumultuous and epic the sequence was, uh, the 87.5 isn't too much of a massive surprise. But even then, it's interesting to see an official estimation of exactly how currency affects the Star Wars universe. Mm. So, figure what? A good chunk of that is is, uh, launching off the escape pod? Yeah, probably. Or, or the uh, the the secondary ship that's attached to it. So now, as we're slowly heading towards the the Jedi archives, the world of the Jedi archives, um, this is a book I'm actually interested in. It's the official mm-hmm. Galaxy's Edge cookbook. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, the of course, when was the story? August sixth, mm. and and this is from the Nerdist, and they talk about if you haven't made it out to Disneyland to see Black Spire Outpost. Well, hello. Oh, mm-hmm. August 6th. Okay, so ours wasn't open yet. But now, let's add to that. If you haven't been to Black Spire Outpost on either coast... Um, well, technically, you haven't been to the one in Anaheim, so... I, I know. <laughs> but the menus are pretty much the same. Mm. Um, there isn't a Galaxy's Edge cookbook coming. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the official Black Spire Outpost cookbook. Um, and it's going to have... Uh, complete with in-character cooking notes from Strono Cookie Tugs, the former head chef at Moscanada's Castle. <laughs> ah. Uh, the cookbook comes to us from Chelsea Monroe Castle and Mark Sumarek, who teamed up to combine with the galaxy-accurate cuisine and commentary from one of the foremost, foremost food experts in the New Republic. In short, you're not going to find another book packed with more Star Wars flavor than this one. Uh, here is one of the recipes. I mean, they have a preview on this page of one of the recipes, or a couple, of, or one of the pages. And they they talk about the Gorek gravy, which the ingredients are, oh, this sounds good. Half cup fresh parsley leaves, one tablespoon 
fresh green herbs such as thyme, savory, and marjoram, pinch of salt, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, mm. half cup of olive oil, and quarter cup of chicken stock. This sounds pretty good. Mm. And then there's emulu sauce, emul sauce. Um, and with this, it's used for apparently the Kobe eggs, which is another another thing later that's in in the book later. Uh, but this is two egg yolks at room temperature, half teaspoon of kosher salt, two tablespoons very cold water, one tablespoon rice vinegar, one and a half cups of cold olive oil, one to two tablespoons of white miso paste. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, this sounds cool to me. This is something I would be into. Yeah, this is cool. Because I, I still... I want the Wookiee Cookie Cookbook. Mm. <laughs> Some of the early ones. Um, now, Monroe Castle has was also has been attached to the World of Warcraft and Game of Thrones cookbooks, and recently released an Elder Scrolls cookbook. Uh, her mm. attention to accuracy in tuning turning in universe recipes to real world food is unmatched. We can't wait to see what she has in store with the Galaxy's Edge book. Um, Joining her is Sumerak, writing in character as Cookie Tugs, who has had quite the adventure since the destruction of Maz's castle by the First Order. He's now the owner of a food freighter, Tugs Grib, offering his fine fare to travelers, residents from other planets. Uh, Cookie is also a huge fan of the legendary chef uh, Gramada, who you may remember from um, Star Wars The Holiday Special. So that's kind of cool. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Does that mean if Gourmanda's in here, does that make the holiday special canon or just her? At the moment, just her. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, the holiday special somehow is going to show up on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I hope so. Even as just a one-day thing. They don't tell anybody. It just shows up, and then the next day it's gone. So everybody thinks it was. Everybody thinks that everybody else was like lying to them or something. Shows up every year on Life Day. I don't yeah. know. Do you think Disney has the rights to it? Oh, yeah, that'll be with Star Wars. Uh, I don't know, because that was a CBS project. Yeah. That they got the they got the light, they got got the the rights to do it. Lucas had nothing to do with it. And that might have been the one thing that Lucas wouldn't sell the rights to. <laughs> That's the one thing he regrets selling the lights, rights to. Yeah. That, that was a project he had nothing to do with, except it was yeah. his characters. Right. So, um, did this book drop today? Or this week, and I'm talking Asia Resistance, Supreme Leader Snoke. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm looking. Yes, it did drop. It dropped today as we're recording. Um, apparently, uh, Snoke, uh, this new Star Wars comic turned Snoke into Kylo Ren's evil Yoda. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a prequel story that takes place before, um, uh, well, it's, a, it's an episode nine prequel story, but I think it actually takes place before uh, Force Awakens. Um, Snoke was an enigma from his introduction 
as a hologram in Force Awakens to uh, him being sliced in half during Last Jedi. Uh, but there's some questions. Um, Snight, uh, as who Snoke might be, uh, and Snoke might be a character who goes to the grave with the most unanswered question, who was his master? How did he become Supreme Leader of the First Order? What knowledge did he hold over Ben Solo to lure him him to the dark side? I'm guessing it was a birthmark on Leia's butt cheek. (laughs) Don't know. Uh, But with Marvel's new run of the Age of Resistance comics, which is spotlighting essential moments of different characters leading up to um, J.J. Abrams, Episode 9. Asia Resistance Supreme Leader Snoke hit the shelves this week, and it's not a brisk walkthrough of how Snoke arrived to his position of power. Um, Brian Young sizes up the book, sizes up in the book's essay, all of the burning questions are a mystery. Perhaps they always will be. It's It's a Crackling read from Tom Taylor and artist Leonard Kirk. Uh, it gives us a glimpse to one of the early days of training Kylo in a pivotal moment that is worthy of Star Wars history. Um, it takes us back to the events of Snoke grilling Kylo uh, for being filled with emotion. Hard to blame him. Dark side drill sergeant techniques include hovering... Kylo over a cliff and dropping him onto a bed of spikes. Gotta do something for Kylo to get the point. I'll say the whole thing with the dark side is it's all emotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So would you want him to be full of emotion? Because even even positive emotions, they can flip and turn them and use the negative side of it. Right. Uh, now, Snoke fans the fire of Kylo's fear. He wants him to be confused, lash out. He wants to bring rage so he can mold, mold it into an attack. It's everything Jedi are told not to do. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side are they, Yoda said in Return of the Jedi. Once you start down the dark path, it will forever will it dominate your destiny. And Snoke's hoping this is the case. Um, now, Kylo keeps clinging to his mask, which Snoke sees as an ultimate weakness. Um, Vader was the past. First Order is the future. Likely knowing Anakin was eventually turned back, was eventually turned back to the light, the agile version of Snoke hopes to kick Kylo's fanboy habit. So that's interesting as well. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Maybe Kylo was wanting to wear the mask when he was a Jedi because of the hmm. fascination with his grandfather. Hmm? Maybe. Um, One of the reasons he fell to the dark side. True. Now, Snoke knew about Dagobah's Cave of, of Evil um, and it, how it helped Luke confront Vader. Um but he and Kylo wind up on the planet for their own vision quest. In the cave, Solo comes toe-to-toe with his own adversary, Luke Skywalker. So uh, he discovers a few more faces in the cave, familiar faces in the cave, and it's better left for readers to discover. We're not going to spoil much more. Um, so, yeah, I, I know I need to get this book myself. I have not been to the store yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I've been loving the... Uh, the Age of series, mm. whether it's Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and now the Age of Resistance. 
some great books. So, uh, some great books that are coming out within the next couple weeks. Uh, I might as well go ahead and read through the end of the month. Um, Star Wars num- number 72, Rogues and Rebels, part five, comes out on the 18th. Um, leaving, almo- leaving only three more issues left to this. Uh, Age of Resistance, Ray comes out on the 18th. Uh, Smuggler's Guide, Hardback, comes out on the 17th from Chronicle Books. Star Wars Character Encyclopedia, the new edition from DK Publishing, is coming out on the 24th. Age of Resistance, Kylo Ren, comes out on the 25th. Jedi Fallen Order, Dark Temple 2, comes out on the 25th. And Target Vader number 3 comes out on the 25th. So, um... I think that wraps it up for us. Yeah, I think that's all we had on here. Any final thoughts? I have a final thought. So it appears there's a gentleman named Chris Lee who has purchased an 88-acre plot of land in Tennessee, and he has begun building a life-size Millennium Falcon on that plot of land. It already exists, California and here. And there's well, a, but there's someone else uh, right, a, right outside of Nashville doing the same thing. Yeah, that's probably this guy. What did you just said? In Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> okay, so that means it's, a, it's another, well, no, the, the guy outside Nashville did the, was doing this a couple years ago. That could still be this guy. He just hasn't got that far. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he said he intends to use the to use it as a place to hold workshops for students who who wish to learn to weld, paint, or build. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, cool. that's a very cool thing. I I don't have uh, the story up in front of me, um, but I know I saved it on my personal Facebook page. Um, but there's a story talking about how there's so much STEM activity or STEM-related sourcing in Galaxy's Edge, um, both California and here in Florida. Mm. I have not had a time to delve into it. Um, but I think that's cool because you know, my daughter's really loves STEM-type stuff, uh, especially since she wants to either be a science teacher or her other goal is to be a mission control specialist for NASA. Hmm. Cool. So. Um. So yeah, I thought that was a a cool thing. Um. I just gotta read the story so I know how to. When we go back after the first couple times, steer her more towards the STEM stuff. With Galaxy's Edge. Hmm. And I'm curious myself. Um, because there is a lot of STEM influence in the in the films, just like there is with Star Trek as well, or any mm. other sci-fi. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any other final thoughts? I didn't have anything at the moment. Then uh, there's only one thing left to do. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up. No, I'm all right. Placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I lost R2.
Master Luke, sir, it's so good to see you fully functional again. 